This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to Happy Rant Sports. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by my partner in radio and my partner in sports talk, Barnabas Piper. And uh, Pipe, we have a lot of ground to cover on this episode, man. It has been uh, a crazy NFL free agency period. Um, hasn't even officially really started until today, until the day that we're recording. Yeah, it's, but it's, a what lot they of, called, uh, it's what they called legal tampering, which I think is one of the goofiest phrases. Oh, it's ridiculous. But I love that it's a thing. I love that legal tampering is a real thing. And it's a term that someone in uh, – that's a very NFL thing to come up with, right? <laughs> to take the ridiculous thing and then give it a name that's – you know, quasi meaningful. Yeah, it's it's right uh, up there. With, it's right up there with the thing I ranted about a couple episodes ago. The football move. Oh, know? dude, I was going to say that football move. Yes, what is a football move? Incredible. Uh, but Piper, we are going to get full on deep dive into NFL free agency. But another thing that started today. Um, that I was pleased to find out that you and I are on the outside of, and we're on the outside of this together, is March Madness. So being that we are men, and being that we are men with sports backgrounds and with, in general, just kind of a sports ethos and an interest in sports, people always assume for me that I'm going to be super pumped about March Madness. And it's always a huge letdown to them um, when I tell them I literally haven't cared about March Madness since like Ronnie Cycli and Keith Smart played against each other in like 1984. And I watched it with my grandpa. Like I literally don't care. I couldn't tell you who was national champion last year because I have no idea. Um, I think how do you it, handle I this? I think time? it was Villanova, North Carolina. I, I hope it was Villanova. I, I have, I've fond they, Villanova memories from childhood. I feel like North Carolina and Villanova maybe won t- the last two years. Okay. But nice. I don't feel like Googling it to find out if I'm correct. I know Villanova won one of the last two years, so I'm at least 50% correct. Dude, I'll tell you one thing I'm fascinated by in this in this March Madness. And I did fill out a bracket because uh, my newspaper staff here at Union University, where I'm a professor, we, we do one together. I'm fascinated by Radford. So Radford is a university that's that's in March Madness. I think they're like a 16th seed. And to me, I've done no research on Radford other than it sounds like an early 1900s, like women's finishing school on the East Coast. I feel like they have like tea services and equestrian. Don't you don't you think Radford doesn't it just have like kind of almost Downton Abbey ish qualities to it? Yeah, but to be fair, I used to think that about Rutgers too, and it's like oh, sure. it's basically like a penal colony. So it's a penal colony, like within like a huge munitions factory in New Jersey. Yeah, so. and I've been yeah. by the Rutgers campus, and I was like, oh, like I yeah, up to, oh, to that yeah, point wow. in my mid twenties, <laughs> I thought it was like one of the Ivy League schools, and then I went by and was like, oh, that's that's like where all the yeah. that's where like the high school dropouts and the juvie, you know, the kids who get released from juvie go. Exactly, man. Exactly. Pipe, how do you deal with this March Madness issue that that is people thinking you care about it and you having to break it to them that well, you don't? It's been a strange transition because up until my mid 20s, I absolutely did. Like I would go to work. Interesting. I would go to work in college. I would skip classes on the Thursday oh, and sure. Friday to just watch basketball from 11 o'clock until dinner time, and then go eat and then come back and keep going until yep. 10. And it was like a communal thing with my dorm mates or my apartment mates or whatever. Yeah. 
And all the way up into my mid twenties, I would be like, angsty at work that I was having to work instead of you know mm-hmm. watching basketball. And then there was the ethical dilemma of do I call in sick? And then somewhere like five or six years ago, so late twenties into my early thirties, I just I just sort of lost it and was yeah. just like, oh, I, you know what I think it was. It was the national championship game between Butler and Duke, you know, where Gordon Hayward missed the half court shot that almost went. But it was like a, it was the worst basketball game I've ever seen. Yeah. It was so. Both teams shot like 28%. Mm-hmm. It was like 48 to 46 or something. I mean, it was just like mm-hmm. high school games are better than that. It was just. Yeah, exactly. This is and, and what I realized was, oh, when all the good players go to the pros. This and, is what's left over. And and then they play like eight games in six days. Uh-huh. Uh And then the coaches are there as recruiters, not as actual coaches. Like they're not actually helping the players get better for the most part. Right. Right, right. Oh, we get this trash basketball. And I just Yeah. I I was just bored out of my mind. And so mm. that's when I started realizing like, oh, college basketball as a whole just isn't very good. Exactly. It's just, it's just not great basketball. So I th- last year I didn't do any brackets. This year I decided I would fill one out because I um I think I watched like twelve total minutes of college basketball this year, which means um, yeah, I have my best shot ever of winning my pool because I don't know anything about college basketball. So, yeah, so, same. So that means that I should win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I pick mine based on football programs and nostalgia almost entirely. So like schools that I feel nostalgic about just because they were around in the 80s and 90s, like Seton Hall, yeah. um, Villanova, uh, schools like that. Um, oh, back Creighton, when, back because when Kyle Corver went there. Yeah. Back when the Big East was good. Absolutely. So, yeah, I pick for totally sentimental reasons slash football reasons. And I usually don't do too, too shabby. So um, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I feel it's it's such a strange viewing thing because I remember even in high school, like, you know, the super cool math teacher who was like an assistant basketball coach would wheel a TV from the AV room into his into his classroom. And, you know, he would usually pass out a worksheet or do his, you know, otherwise mediocre job of teaching all while like, you know, Creighton was playing Iona in the background or whatever. And uh, it just felt like a really exciting thing back then, I guess. But yeah, but yeah we, it's, it's we a used viewing to the, experience. We used to do the same thing during lunch. We'd like run to the assistant football coach's uh, office, oh, which oh. is like, it basically smells like, you know, uh, Tanactin and Butt armpits. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he'd, and he'd have the, the, TV set up in there that we used to watch game film and mm-hmm. and he would have it, you know, like the rabbit ears with the tin foil. And so we get like a scratchy 12 minutes of some game while we scarf right. down our crummy pizza and then ran back to class. Dude, yeah, but you feel like you feel like Frank Sinatra being in like a coach's office watching TV during the school day. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the trifecta of coolness as a high school student. So um, so there are some upsides to March Madness. But but yeah, by and large, I don't care. I can't make myself care. Um, And yeah, I, I think what it comes down to for me is I like basketball, but I don't I don't love it enough to watch crappy basketball. So my logic is if I'm going to watch basketball at all, I want to watch the best athletes in the world playing it. So I just watch the NBA and I don't have really enough headspace to devote to, you know, two basketball experiences in a given season. So um, I just kind of throw my eggs in the NBA basket and, and let it be. 
But um, yeah, I, but I, I will I say this: college basketball to scout for the NBA. So any games yeah. that I watched, where I was like, "Oh, I've heard about this guy named Mo Bamba who plays for Texas," so I watched mm-hmm. five minutes of him and go, "Yeah, he looks like he could play in the NBA." And then I go do something else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I tell you, man, I do watch. I actually just got a text from one of our union basketball players asking if I wanted to do a bracket. So. Uh, I'll have to hit him back. And this player was, he was a student of mine. He's our starting shooting guard. Um, I tried to catch every union basketball home game so that I could, uh, so that I could see my students play. Um, and I do enjoy that. I do enjoy watching our team, uh, but it's live. It's in the gym. You know, you get the energy of being there and there's something, um, and there's something seeing so, people that you're invested in. Yeah. I was going to say, there's something so much different when you have a genuine rooting interest. Like I, I went yeah. to, so to Wheaton and Wheaton had a pretty yeah. competitive basketball team when I was there has, has remained good. Um, and, and I went to, almost all their games home and away when I, you know, unless there was a long road trip because, mm-hmm. because I was friends with a bunch of guys on the team. And I still keep track of that because, because there's a, like that alma mater loyalty. And I, so I Absolutely. get it. Like if you're a grad, a, you know, a grad of a school or, you, you know, it's a yeah. regional school, but just like hanging your hat on like, Oh, I think Clemson can go all the way this year or something. I just, right. I don't get that. Dude. Right. What do I care if Duke beats North Carolina? You know, like really that makes no difference in my life, in yeah. my mood. That feels like a backyard cook-off between neighbors to me. It's like, congratulations, you cook yeah. a better burger than your neighbor, and I'll never eat either of them. Yeah, exactly, man, exactly. Well, here's hoping, Pipe, that it goes fast. Um, I get tired of it being on TV all the time, so that's another that's another kind of pet peeve of mine during March Madness. Like it, th- I feel like it throws the NBA schedule off TV-wise, and it just does weird things. So um, I will be I will be thrilled when it's over. Um, we do have NFL draft season and NFL free agency and spring football starting. So there are plenty of things to, uh, to get me excited in the sports world. So that being said, let's, uh, let's talk NFL free agency. And, um, I want to go at this a couple of different ways, Piper, but since you are, uh, our resident Minnesota man, our resident, uh, Vikings fan, um, really the first big domino in free agency to fall, uh, was Kirk Cousins. And uh, well, I had my own Kirk fair, The stuff. first one was Case Keenum verbally agreeing with the Broncos, which then confirmed right. that the Vikings had to go sign a quarterback. You know what that confirms to me, too, vis-a-vis the Broncos? They really must have disliked Kirk Cousins. You know what I mean? Because um, he was supposedly – he was allegedly the bell of the ball in free agency quarterback-wise, and they had every opportunity to get him um, – and they opted out of it, which I think from a purely business standpoint for the Broncos is a good move. Um, I don't think Kirk Cousins makes you markedly better than what Case Keenum makes you. And maybe, you know, you, you could even make the argument that Keenum could make you better. So I think they did the right thing. But, um, See, I, but this I, is hand, about- I hands down disagree with you on that assessment. I think yeah, I think Kirk, with it, man. I think Kirk Cousins is measurably better than Case Keenum. Because mm. I I think what we saw last year was Case Keenum's best. Like I don't think he'll ever. I mean, obviously this yeah. is speculation, but I don't think he'll ever yeah, yeah. do that again. Whereas yeah. Cousins, for three consecutive years, has been as good or better than Keenum was last year. Mm. So what you're getting with Cousins is not a top ten quarterback. I don't think maybe ten mm. ish, but you're yeah. getting somebody who is consistently what he has been. So like he's consistently yeah. what Keenum was last year. Keenum might never sure. do that again. And the question the question yeah. for me is is Cousins worth 12 million more dollars per year than Case Keenum? 
that, see, that was that was my issue, man. To me, it's a question of economics. And if you're if you're Minnesota, could you have stood pat with Case Keenum, um, save the twelve million, put the twelve million somewhere else, get yourself an elite like a real NFL player at another position? Um, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. And I think, dude, look, it's it's March, so it's going to be impossible for either of us to find fault with with either perspective in a real way. Um, you know, I think there will be people who say the Vikings won free agency because they got Kirk Cousins. And then there will be people like me that think they didn't. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, the proof will be uh, in what happens next fall. But, yeah, I just I think fundamentally I dislike dude, the, the I heard the quarterback economy. Uh, I, I heard it compared to like real estate in Manhattan. So there's no rhyme or reason to it, but the prices just keep going up. Right. So whether apartment A is appreciably better than apartment B, because it's in Manhattan, um, you're paying a king's ransom for it. And I think that's what you saw with Kirk Cousins in the quarterback market this year. Look, dude, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm literally asking for the moon. He could say to the Packers, I want I want half the city of Green Bay. I want a private jet. I want everything you can give me. And they, they would have to give it to him because of what Kirk Cousins just got. You know what I mean? Well, that's and that's the thing is like the reason that quarterbacks can can get this Kirk Cousins, who I I mean, as I think through it, I can think of probably eight to ten quarterbacks who are dramatically better than he is, and then another two to four who he's right in line with. So he's somewhere between, and then probably another three or four that have at this point dramatically higher upsides than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, there's there's some young guys with upside who are uncertain. So but even so, so so he's somewhere between like eight and fourteen. So right middle tier ish. But definitely you know quality starter. The thing upper middle tier. You if you look at the the thing that sold me on okay, I can I I can abide this signing is yeah. when you look at the players, the quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls or have taken their teams to the playoffs consistently over the last 20 years, there's like mm. six quarterbacks who are there every year. And so when people yeah. make the argument like, yeah, but you can win with a great defense. Yeah, you can if you if right. you catch lightning in a bottle and then you never do it again Yeah, ever. Like, yeah. you know, there was, the, there was the Baltimore-San Francisco Super Bowl when – Two sure. mediocre quarterbacks got dragged by their defense, and then you go back a bunch mm-hmm. more years, and you got Baltimore defense dragging Trent Dilfer there, and so forth. Sure, but other sure. than that, it's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. That's right. You know, yeah. Russell Wilson. These are the guys, and so I want a quarterback who can, who can get you know at his best, get close to achieving mm-hmm. that. And I, yeah. Case Keenum, is not that guy. Yeah, and and I would. And, and again, dude, we're both we're both right and we're both wrong, right? Because I would look at that same statement, which I think is really well articulated, and I and I agree completely. But I would look at that and go, Kirk Cousins is not that guy either. Um, well, yeah. So if you're Minnesota, they're in line I mean, the question, I guess. Dude, that's right. You're you're betting a large amount of of guaranteed money on the fact that Kirk Cousins can be that guy, um, and time will tell. You know, time will tell, and. Um, admittedly, it's hard for me to separate this conversation from, from my Kirk Cousins issues, which I'm contractually obligated not to talk about in a public way, but suffice it to say, man, and maybe, maybe this can be a little bit of a bridge. Um, I want to, I want to stay on free agency, but I want to ask you something about your dad. So, um, we are in the midst of the Kirk Cousins bonanza. He's all over the media. Um, and I, I got the king 
of all texts from my father last night. Um, I'm not going to read it verbatim because it, it has some stuff in it. I may not want to read on the air, but I got the king of all texts from my father. It in made which, me like your dad a lot and I've never met him. Dude. Yes. My dad is eminently likable for a lot of reasons, but this, this is one of them. Um, you know, he knows about my Kirk cousins issues because he has been, been with me through the whole career and all this stuff. And, uh, he just sent me a text indicating that apparently cousins has a reality show airing about his free agency. Um, and well, then that my was, dad, that was short lived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then my dad attached a, a, a very pejorative word onto the end onto the end of it. And it, <laughs> it, dude, it literally made my week. So my birthday is tomorrow. Um, and, and I told my dad, this is the best birthday gift I could receive. So well, happy birthday. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you so much. But uh, what's your dad's yeah, name? So, I feel like I need a name attached to this texting genius. Dude, his name is Ted. His name is Ted Cluck. It's literally the same name as mine. So are you, you know, a, are you a junior? I'm not a junior because okay. technically we have uh, we have different middle okay. names. So I have my I have my grandpa's name as a middle name. My gotcha. dad's middle name is something else. But uh, but yeah. So my my question. This is just a, a tiny rabbit trail, and then I want to ask you some more NFL stuff. But ha- has your dad ever like had your back in a similar way? Like because you and your dad both live kind of public lives, and he probably knows a little bit about the the beefs that you get in you know here and there with people. Has he has he had your back in a public way? He has been very privately supportive of things like if i've said if red said or written something controversial or that has gotten credit i mean assuming it's not just me being a a jerk which Mm. i I have mostly avoided i'm sure there are people who would roll their eyes at that and say no no you're pretty consistently a jerk but um (laughs) so he has he has been very supportive and like reached out to me so it wasn't like i went to him crying he reached out to me and just said hey saw what you wrote know you're gonna take Mm. heed for this and then, yeah. and then offered a lot of encouragement. He also just mm-hmm. – the, the other thing that he d- has done is he has always been a good example of how to handle criticism because sure. he just – he has had so much come his way. And so I've learned so much about just turning a deaf ear and a blind eye and having thick skin because that's yeah. what he does. And I watch it and yeah. I go, well, if, if I can be as steady as he is until I'm an old man, then, yeah. uh, then I should probably follow his example because that's, that's part of what's gotten him there. Dude, I totally agree, and, and yeah, I think your pops is a is a great example of how to deal with that stuff. You're absolutely right, and uh, and yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to hear you say that because I knew I knew it would be, I knew it would be along those lines. But pipe, I have a, I have another team. I have another question about another team. All right, um, they kind of got things kicked off here with a big trade and and some activity today in free agency. Even what do you think of the Browns' moves? So the Browns are zero and sixteen last year. They essentially play the whole season with. Absolutely no quarterbacking. Um, yeah, the, Deshaun they, Kaiser was terrible. Just the worst. Um, just the worst. I mean, it was it was some of pipe. It was some of the worst NFL quarterbacking I think I've ever seen since I've been a real student of the game. So I, I can't speak to kind of pre early 1980s. But in all the years that I've watched the game, I don't know that I've seen a quarterback play consistently worse than Deshaun Kaiser did last year for Cleveland. So Cleveland. Um, they make some trades. They trade for Tyrod Taylor from Buffalo, who I, I am a Tyrod Taylor guy. I like this player. I think as a function of playing in a small market and, and you know, there was some some turnover roster and leadership wise in Buffalo. He, he never really got the credit that he was due. Um, so they bring in Tyrod Taylor to shore up the quarterback position. That does not preclude them from drafting a guy. And then they trade for Jarvis Landry, who led the league in receptions last year. Um, and today they signed Carlos Hyde 
in free agency, the running back from San Francisco. So my question to you is, are the Browns intriguing now? Because I, I'll be honest, and, and maybe I'm just drawn to losers. They're intriguing to me. Like I, I've, I've kind of a, a yen for the Browns now that I didn't have before. So talk to me about your thoughts on those moves. I want the Browns to be competitive. Like it, for, first of all, because you know every year there's going to be bad football teams. That's just that just happens. But like yeah. I want the Browns to be good for the sake of the Browns fans. I want the Browns to be good because watching a perpetual doormat is just kind of not fun. Like the rise and fall of teams is entertaining, but they've just been fallen for since they became the Browns again. Um, yeah. So I want them to be good for that reason. Intriguing, like I. I can't imagine them being better than a six-win team because Hugh Jackson, I think, is a terrible coach. Agreed. I think last year they should have been a two-to-four-win team, except he's abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only did he have a rookie quarterback who played badly, but he he did absolutely everything to help that rookie quarterback fail just across the board. They were so bad. And so I – as long as he's the head coach, I'm just like, well, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything. I don't know why they brought him back unless they just wanted another it's losing shocking. season to get more draft picks. But um, yeah. I, Tyrod Taylor's an interesting guy to me because he's one of those guys. He's basically like Alex Smith with better wheels. Yeah, that's that's it, man. He protects the football. He can make plays with his legs. Um, I think he's a perfect bridge guy for Cleveland, and maybe he could be more than a bridge guy. Um, you know, time will tell. But but. You know, they've got some interesting pieces uh, on that team. They actually have a really low-key, great offensive line. Assuming um, Joe Thomas comes back. He missed most yeah, of last Joe year. assuming Joe Thomas comes back. And if he doesn't come back, then they have a pretty mediocre offensive line. Dude, let me ask you this, man. Favorite favorite Cleveland Browns for you uh, of all time? Uh, <laughs> it's like asking favorite Washington Generals. That's a tricky generals. one, man. It's, um, it's a tricky one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have I mean, a couple in mind. You've got like um, – honestly, I'm struggling to even – I mean Joe Thomas would be on the list because he's one of those guys who yeah. – he's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer at left tackle. Yeah. Who has never complained. Never. Who has up up until last year was so durable. He's played what, 12 or 13 years in the league? And yeah. just perpetually one of the best offensive tackles under probably nine head coaches and 14 offensive yeah. coordinators and 13 quarterbacks, none of whom are any good. Um, yeah. And then who is their wide receiver? Is it Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Josh Interesting Gordon, player, man. See, I wouldn't say he's favorite. Favorite to watch when he's not yeah, suspended yeah, yeah. because he was Correct. just – I mean, he was like Terrell Owens, but with a little bit more speed and better hops. Like, just a monster physically yeah. who could just beat anybody freaky, downfield. Freaky, freaky athlete. Yeah. Like, think, yeah, think, freaky, like, freaky. think like Julio Jones-ish. Just, yeah. again, with garbage quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, I have some favorite Browns of all time. So, one of them is Chris Spielman, who was Wait, one of my favorite for Detroit. the Browns? Dude, he, per- he played for the Browns for just a minute right at the end of his career, man. Long enough for them to make jerseys. So there were Spielman Browns jerseys floating around. So That's I don't sad. even know if he got a full season in with the Browns. But it was kind of the big homecoming, right? Because he was an Ohio State guy, grew up in the state of Ohio. Um, and it was supposed to be a triumphant return to uh, to Cleveland. But he had some injuries. So uh, one is Chris Spielman. Another, and, and Cleveland has like a long and rich history of horrible drafts and horrible personnel decisions. But there was a guy in the early nineties, they drafted out of Stanford um, called touchdown, Tommy Vardell. Right. And this was a guy I recognized the name. 
Dude, he was a white tailback from Stanford, and he was big and plodding, and he had a neck roll, and he was like a he was like a poor man's Mike Allstott. And I don't know if I've ever like <laughs> fully come real with my love of Mike Allstott on this program, but like I was a huge Mike Allstott guy. Yeah. Um, Vardell was like a poor man's Mike Allstott, so they draft him out of Stanford to be a feature back. And you know, of course, he's never anything in the league but a fullback because he's six two and two forty five, and he can't run. But, um, you know, that that to me was fascinating and emblematic of a lot of Cleveland's issues. Another guy that I'm fascinated with, I wouldn't say favorite, but this is an object of fascination to me, is when they used a first round pick on Brandon Whedon a few years ago. I Do you remember this quarterback? That. Yes. Was it, well, he was from one of the Texas schools, wasn't he? Dude, no, he Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. That's, but he was like Dude, 27 like, years old. Dude, yes, he was old. He, I think he was 28, man. When he when he played his first game, he was 28. So he was already like on the backside of his career by that point. And he put up these like pinball video game numbers in Oklahoma State. It's very gimmicky, very goofy college offense. And then, you know, he goes to Cleveland. He's terrible. And it was one of these guys that like they hit the they hit the eject button on him really quickly. And you don't see that very often. They did it actually again with Kaiser because they traded Kaiser to Green Bay for a starting corner, which was a great move. So all of this to say, I actually think some of these moves that Cleveland made were really savvy to get a starting cornerback for Deshaun Kaiser, who, who we have a season of data on as being terrible um, to get anyone to want him. And what's more to get anyone to send you a starter in exchange for him yeah. is kind of a fascinating thing. So, I mean, I think with Landry, with, um, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, with Carlos Hyde, um, I don't know. I think they could be a they could with, be an eight win team with two picks in the top five. Two picks in the top five. Maybe they, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't go with uh, Saquon Barkley now that they've got Carlos Hyde. But nevertheless, they will See, get. Imp- I I will bet. Players. I will bet. Would you want to place a bet on uh, on an over under or uh, on them being an eight win team? Yeah, I always I'll, want to place a bet, but I'll take, I don't know if I, I'll take under seven and a half wins. Dude, see, I think the I think the rationalist in me would also have to take under seven and a half. I'll I don't, take I, I'll take under six and a half wins. Under six and a half, and I would be taking the over on six and a half wins. So seven wins or more for the Cleveland Browns in 2018 with Tyrod, with Carlos Hyde, with Jarvis Landry, and whatever other pieces they I, add in the draft. Can have, we can we have, make this contention? Like if if they had they anybody oh, else as no, head coach, I'd be like, yeah, seven to eight sounds like very very much in their own possibility because Cincinnati's going to be yeah. down Pittsburgh is older and Correct. unreliable yeah. like they just they're in kind of a weak division and uh dude can we take a rain check on this and make it contingent on a Joe Thomas decision because I think that will that that'll that'll swing how I'm feeling about this okay it won't swing how I'm feeling because uh yeah because Hugh Jackson is the coach and that's like that he dude I, no you're right I'm convinced that I mean he is he is to coaches what what Matt Millen was to GMs. Yeah, you're not wrong. You know, you're you're not wrong, not at all. Um, Piper, what else in free agency? So my Chicago Bears added. Uh, we added some weapons, man. So you're yeah. an NFC North guy. I'm an NFC North guy. Um, so we get Allen Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, a very explosive receiver when he's healthy. Um, that which, being the big caveat there, well, he, and he was healthy every. I mean, he he blew out his knee, but it wasn't like he wasn't like a nagging injury guy. He was no right, right. He was yeah. no like Kevin Jones or Alshon Jeffrey who just always had the soft tissue issues. 
Exactly, man. Exactly. So we get Allen Robinson. We get um, Taylor Gabriel, uh, a, a real take the top off kind of downfield threat from the Atlanta Falcons. And we added Trey Burton, the tight end from Philly, who we probably overpaid for a little bit. But nevertheless, um, he gives them the chance to do some some interesting pass game things out of heavy formations, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a thing that they're going to want to do with Mitch Trubisky. So um, I, I think I feel and I hate this. Mitch Trubisky is kind of my Hugh Jackson to you in that I don't yet believe in him enough to really get excited about the Bears. Um, this year will be telling, but well, I'm their, almost Their biggest ready. free agent signing was a new head coach. Correct. Because, yeah, correct. because John Fox was the worst head coach possible <laughs> for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. Yeah, you're not wrong about that for sure. Um, so as a Vikings fan, let, let me ask you this. As a Vikings fan, does anything about – the rest of the NFC North make you nervous at this point. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's about it. Um, yeah. I think I think I mean Matthew Stafford can be good enough on any given Sunday to you know to put up five hundred on on different teams. However, he usually does it when they're playing down twenty one. Um, sure. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the only really scary thing in the NFC North, but he's so good that I mean mm. he he is to the uh to the Packers what like Peyton Manning was to those Colts teams that had zero defense but Correct. they were perpetual yeah. 11 to 13 win teams that's Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. if he doesn't get his collarbone broken by um Anthony Barr yeah do Jimmy Graham to the Packers that's kind of yeah that game. that doesn't scare me I mean they here's the thing every year they sign a tight end and people will be like oh he's a great weapon for Aaron Rodgers and every year they cut that tight end because <laughs> he's not a great weapon for Aaron Rodgers because you know what Aaron yeah. Rodgers doesn't throw to his tight ends he throws to his wide receivers and then they cut Jordy Nelson so uh they're another team that they the reason they don't super super scare me is because I think Mike mm-hmm. McCarthy's a bad head coach interesting interesting yeah it'll be interesting to see how they deploy Jimmy Graham I mean he's you're not getting anything out of him as a blocker. So in a sense, he is a de facto wide receiver, just a big one. I mean, I wonder if he becomes the de facto Jordy Nelson in a way. Um, you know. And don't get me wrong, although, I, think, I think Jimmy Graham is good. I just think mm-hmm. I think people are imagining the Drew Brees to Jimmy Graham connection with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, no, this guy's slow and broken down. He's still a great red zone target. But he's sure. much more like Antonio Gates at this point than he is yeah. that previous version of Jimmy Graham. Dude, and Antonio Gates was a champ at getting old, and I don't know if Jimmy Graham is going to be a similar champ at getting old. There, there are certain athletes, Piper, that are good at getting old, and Antonio Gates was one of them. But I don't know if Jimmy Graham is is that he's, guy. You know, he most, still most is. Athletes, Gates, Gates is still playing, and he's still like he's incredible. Pencil him he's in so for good. six six touchdowns, even though he can't move because yeah. he just he can he can find a way to get his hands open. That's all he needs to do. Yeah. See also Jason Witten. So yes. I, I used to play a little tight end, and I'm fascinated by watching these guys work. You know, the Antonio Gateses, the Jason Wittens, you know, staying relevant year after year when supposedly, like, you know, all the erosion of their skills has taken place. Um, yeah, it, and it will remain to be seen if Jimmy Graham could be that kind of guy. But um, but if they have, yeah, if they have early Drew Brees to Jimmy Graham stars in their eyes, they're going to they're gonna be sorely disappointed, I think. Um Anything else in free agency that that you want to talk about, Pipe, that's super intriguing to you? I think it was interesting that the 
Cardinals decided to pay Sam Bradford uh, $20 million, 15 guaranteed for one year because yeah. that's a lot of money for three games. Um, yeah. I think I think the Jets are doing some very interesting things to try to sort of rebuild because, you know, that last year they basically strip-mined their team. And yeah. then they re-sign him a count, whichever one that mm-hmm. is, Josh, Luke, Will, Steve. I don't remember which yeah. account it is. I think it's Josh. Um, yeah. And they're potentially bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. And so uh-huh. they have a they have a a one year bridge with the the guy who played for them last year pretty well to yeah. Bridgewater and I think I really liked Teddy I I wanted him back as the Vikings too. quarterback so um, I did too man I really I really really wanted that bad so I want to see him do well I really yeah I, I mean I and to be fair I want to see Sam Bradford do well too because I don't wish ill upon mm-hmm. these guys I just think history says he's going to play three to five games and then say his knee hurts and so Arizona's yeah. going to be bad again they just yeah. they just cut Teron Matthew what they cut him today because he wouldn't take a pay cut. Dude, you're kidding me. That's no. fascinating. I mean, by the, time people, a... by the time people listen to this, he'll probably be on another team. But that was, oh my that was an interesting move because, you know, he was sort of one of their young core players. Dude, Teron Matthew is one of the funnest players yes. in the league to watch. I don't, know if he's he's, a... I don't know if he's an amazing player, but he is a fun player. He's a, he's a freak show in terms of just being a football player and, and making things happen around the ball, turning the football over. So... One of my core defensive philosophies is like I want people that flip the field and I want guys that get turnovers. And Teron Matthew is that guy. I mean, he's incredible. He's a he is consistently that guy. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting in Arizona. I mean, Sam Bradford is the consummate like uh, placeholder. You know, um, he's just a warm body to to you know have on the roster until whoever they draft develops. But um, that's such a team in transition with a new coach and, you know, Adrian Peterson is gone now and, and Teron Matthew apparently. So, um, they seem to be in a deep, in a deep rebuild, uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's the Teron Matthew thing. I, I love watching him play because he, he's like five, nine and 185 pounds. He's, he's yeah. not big and yet he not prototype. He's completely fearless. I mean, there's a reason his nickname Absolutely. was the Honey Badger. Like, go watch, go YouTube, yeah. like, Honey Badger videos, and you'll see two mm. things. You'll see videos of Teron Matthew and videos of this insane little beast, like, t- attacking a pride of lions. That's essentially yeah. him. Yeah, he's fearless. He's uh, he's utterly fearless. And um, I'll give you two offensive line signings, Piper, that I, that I think are sneaky great. Um, number one is San Francisco, Weston Richburg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a center. Mike Shanahan signs centers. He pays centers. He loves that position. Um, that position has been a catalyst in his offenses in years past. And, uh, I tell you what, man, if you, if you, if they were given trophies for front office performances after a year or so, I, I mean, I think it, it's hard to find fault with what San Francisco has done. Um, they have done some fascinating things. Um, they snag Richard Sherman on the first visit. You know, he doesn't even take another phone call. He he goes all in on San Francisco. Three million guaranteed, which means if he's bad because he's old and injured, that Who it's cares? essentially a write-off. Absolutely. No, brilliant. I mean, what what an amazing signing. You get Weston Richburg. Um, you know, they they want to run the football. They want to do Shanahan things in that offense. They've got Jimmy G. Um 
such an interesting team, man. They've, if I they've lived, signed some good skill position guys. At I mean, not like stars, but the kind of thing where yeah. you create depth before you get the star. So like. I think, right. think they signed um, – was it Marquise Lee? They signed – They got Marquise Lee, who I've always kind of liked. They got Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was just signed today, who was the Vikings, yeah. was one of their two-headed backs last year. He's a, he's a great sort of change of pace, second back, good receiver, just sort of good at everything. Um, yeah. back. And so they – like all of a sudden a team with no talent is now like – this is like the rice and beans in their pantry. Like they had nothing on the shelves. Now they've yeah. got the staples. And all it yep. takes is like – if Jimmy G's a star and they get one or two really good skill position players out of the draft or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. a year or two away from competing for that division. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch Jimmy G and watch that team operate this year. The other offensive line signing that I really like, uh, this is a guard. Um, Andrew Norwell mm-hmm. uh, signed away from the Carolina Panthers by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dude, Jacksonville to me is is a scary team. They're yeah. fascinating. They got all those studs coming back on defense. Um, you know, apparently they just are about to sign Joe Hayden too, because they clearly needed more athletic cover corners. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really had a scarcity back there. So dude, that's freaky. That secondary is going to be so freaky. Um, I love it. They're going to be a blast to watch. Uh, the running game becomes even more effective with a, another road grader in the fold at yeah. guard. The thing that makes um, me happy about them is that they, they have taken NFL conventional wisdom and just spit on it. Where absolutely. they're like, oh, everybody's going to spread it out and throw 45. You know what we're going to do? We're just, we, we are going to be the biggest, baddest, meanest team on the block. And they did it on defense last year. And they were okay on offense. Now they're doubling down on offense to do the same thing where they're just going to line Fournette up and probably four other running backs and just beat the bejesus out of people. Dude, I truly love that. That makes me so happy. That's the kind of football that uh, I just feel so good about. So I'm glad. Thank you, Doug Marone, for being in the league. I hope they get a fullback with a neck roll just to complete the image. I hope they do too. Dude, I would be that fullback for them. I would come out of retirement for like like, the the half a day that I would last. And uh, I I would love to lead block for Leonard Fournette just one time, man. Put the neck roll on and the and the the gloves, the whole thing, and and just one play, one ISO, you know, yeah. one ISO in front of Leonard Fournette, the, and then I can hang it up. The NFL needs Lorenzo Neal back, you know, just God, that dude. Lorenzo like, Neal was so good. Pipe, we got to do a whole segment on fullbacks, on great blocking fullbacks in the league, because dude, I could talk for hours about this. I literally could. Um, but yeah, I love Lorenzo Neal. He's a he's a great one to start with. For he sure. he is he's probably twenty five percent responsible for Ladanian Tomlinson's Hall of Fame career. Dude, I wrote a whole chapter in a book about that. Um, it was a book that, by and large, no one read. But, uh, but <laughs> I, I can only imagine why. <laughs> but dude, it was connecting all these great fullbacks, right? So so I looked at in. I swear we got to end with this, so I'm going to keep this short. But we, uh, I looked at all these great backs statistically over the years, and the one thing they had in common was like three fullbacks. So the same three fullbacks going from team to team, blocking for all these, you know, amazing feature backs. And uh, Lorenzo O'Neill was one of them. But yeah, was, man, it's, was Daryl Johnston one of them? Daryl Johnston. Was not one of them, but he just wasn't one of the backs that I looked at. But well, that's, that's he, only because he played on one team. He, he played still, on one team. Yeah, yeah, he played on one team. Played for the Cowboys. Blocked for Emmitt Smith. Dude, he was phenomenal. He was he was one of the last like all-purpose fullbacks, kind of in that Tom Rathman mold, in that mm-hmm. they could do. 
I mean, Daryl Johnston could carry the ball five or six times a game. He was going to catch three or four balls out of the backfield. That was an all-purpose football player. You know, he wasn't just a – like Jim Kleinsasser kind of ushered in the shift to glorified guard in the backfield. But Which is yeah, funny Which a, is funny because he came player. in as a tight end. He was like a yeah. – he was a big athletic tight end out of, I want to say, either North or South Dakota. Dude, and, it was one uh, of the Dakotas, yeah, yeah, one of those schools. Just like a big yeah. old meaty farm boy, but he ran like a four five five forty, and and then yeah, yeah, he was basically just like, oh, he's two hundred eighty pounds. We're lining him up in the backfield and running behind him. Exactly, pipe. I have to go. Speaking of football, I have to go uh, work out with my team, so um, I'm going to need to cut this short. But uh, we have we have wandered to and throw, to to and throw to and fro throughout these topics, my friends. And until next time, Vince the held. Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 